Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream and, of course, links to all of our social media simulcasts, including YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. And, uh, of course, links to the podcast as well. Uh, as well as, of course, broadcasting on plain old regular terrestrial radio on your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is The Michael Luke Show, broadcasting live. Hello, good morning. And welcome to the program for this Thursday, <clears throat> Thursday, 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 Thursday. Um, today is uh, a continuation of uh, our ongoing interview process for candidates from across the state. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be diving into it today uh, down on the peninsula. Today is like Peninsula Day. Uh, in just a few moments, uh, we're going to be picking up with Ginger Bryant, who is a candidate for state house down on the peninsula in dis uh, lower peninsula in uh, district six, um, which is the uh, did I get that right? I'm sure I did. Yep, D district six, which is currently uh, district thirty one. Uh, District 6, or I don't know when it officially changes, but it was District 31, which is the seat currently held by Sarah Vance. She is a nonpartisan <clears throat> that is uh, uh, running for that seat, and we're going to have a uh, conversation with her here in just a few moments, talking about where she stands on various issues and what she wants to, uh, what she wants to uh, uh, be part of. So we're going to talk with her here in uh, just a few moments and get kind of a feel for what's uh, going on and where she's at. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll demystify a couple of the uh, things that uh, are going on because uh, I've been to her website uh, the last couple of days. I've kind of checked in on it thinking maybe there'll be some updates. There's a lot of videos on it. Um, <clears throat> and... I kind of want to know uh, where she stands on things. Uh, she's got some kind of video essay things, uh, which we will talk about, and uh, and we'll see. We'll see where things uh, go from here. Uh, then in hour two, we'll move a little further north, up into the middle of the peninsula, and we're going to talk uh, with uh, Ron Gillum, who is currently uh, the representative for the uh, Middle Peninsula, there and uh, he is in House District Seven, um, and he's a Republican running for re-election there in House District Seven, what used to be District Thirty. So he'll be joining us. 
Uh, tomorrow on the program is Firearms Friday. I don't know how we got to the end of the week so quick. I mean, I guess that's a good thing. I'm not complaining, um, but I wish, <laughs> sometimes I wish the time would slow down. I, you know, it's that acceleration of time as you get older and things just happen so so fast. The time just flies by. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I feel like I'm kind of at that, which again is good for the work week when you're trying to get through the work week. But then for the weekend, it just kind of continues to speed on by. And you're like, can I apply a little air brake action here? Uh, anyway, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, talk to uh, the folks from the Second Amendment Foundation tomorrow. Um, and I think it's either going to be Dave Workman or Alan Gottlieb, and I'm not not quite sure which one um, uh, which one is going to be with us. But one of the folks from the Second Amendment Foundation, those guys have been doing a lot of good work with the um, Firearms Policy Coalition, the FPC, and the Gun Owners of America. All three of them have been uh, doing some yeoman's works in the court trying to protect your gun rights, and we want to kind of get an update, and uh, we'll see what's going on uh, from there. So Ginger Bryant and Ron Gillum today. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about the headlines, including <clears throat> this Russian invasion of Alaska. The Russian invasion. I thought that was a clickbaity headline today, so I used it. Um, and it was <laughs> no, I mean, really, this is this is what's this is what's happening. Um, two foreign nationals were detained. Um near the community of Gamble on St. Lawrence, Lawrence Island on Tuesday. Uh, spokesperson for Senator Dan Sullivan's office, according to KTUU, said the senator was made aware of the situation after being contacted by a senior community leader from Gamble early Tuesday morning. <clears throat> Apparently, uh, the U.S. Coast Guard had confirmed that the men were taken to the public safety building in Gamble, the town clerk there said the men were flown off the island on Tuesday. According to him, the men told villagers that they had sailed their boat from the city of Egvenkanot, Egvenkanot, uh, in northeastern Russia, approximately 300 miles by sea. Uh, the villagers said the men told them that they were fleeing the Russian military and the Russian military conscription, which has been going on in Russia right now as they feed more, <clears throat> more Russian combat-aged males into the sausage machine that is the Ukraine right now. Um, and there has been a flight from Russia of, uh, of many uh, who are trying to escape that kind of deadly consequence. These guys, though... Um, I mean, whew, 300 miles on a small boat uh, across the Bering Sea uh, at the beginning of winter. That's, um, man, you guys are, you guys are, you know, more power to you. The two men apparently were flown to Anchorage. And uh, according to Governor Mike Dunleavy, who commented on the situation yesterday, he said they're in Anchorage now being dealt with by federal authorities and continued by saying, we don't anticipate a continual stream of individuals or a flotilla of individuals. We have no indication that's going to happen. So this may be a one-off. But, wow, talk about a little bit of desperation. You know, uh, we're going we're gonna to think. 
So the uh, the Russian invasion has started two men at a time from Russia over to St. Lawrence Island. That's not a trip that I would love to make. I'll be honest with you. That's not a trip that I would. <clears throat> and I spent some time in the Bering Sea. Um, but definitely. And they don't describe how big the boat was or anything else. But uh, uh, 300 miles uh, across the open ocean. And that is not something that uh, I would I would look forward to. Not not at all. So uh, the U.S. Coast Guard sent a C-130 cargo plane out to St. Lawrence, uh, carrying customs and border protection personnel, and that's who that's who got them in the end. The, the, <laughs> the border border patrol is here out in St. Lawrence, and anyway, it's pretty crazy. Um. But things in that area are already, they're going to get worse. I mean, these guys apparently did it just in time because the uh, officials are now urging Western Alaskan residents to prepare as another storm approaches. We talked a little bit about this, but it has changed even since Monday. Um, According to the National Weather Service's Dave Kramer, this storm is unique in that it is continuing to get stronger as it moves into the northwest Chukchi Sea. Gusting winds are forecast to be strongest around the North Slope communities of Point Hope and Point Lay, reaching upwards of 70 miles an hour, and wind and flooding impacts are likely to be felt as far north as Uktavik. I mean, wow. Um, normally... <clears throat> This is, a, this is a non-typical system in both intensity and location, according to uh, the Weather Service. Normally, sea ice has formed along the, uh, the coast of the Arctic, which uh, throughout most of the winter gives them some buffer, you know, from like surge and erosion and flooding and everything else. But, of course, it's a little early for that. There's no sea ice yet. And so they are getting a little worried after the big pounding that they took from the post-Murbach uh, situation, the National Guard has positioned assets in readied armory buildings and rural hub buildings and communities uh, around the area, and they've stationed helicopters and personnel that were already on site assisting with the recovery efforts from the last storm. So <clears throat> they're waiting to see what happens. High surf advisory uh, against the entire um uh, uh, peninsula where Nome sits and uh, coastal flooding warnings and uh, high wind advisories and uh, woof, woof. I'm just glad that I don't live there right now. There are just certain times where I'm sure it's fantastic to live there. And this is probably not one of those times. So our thoughts go out to those folks. I hope they make it through. And I hope that the uh, hope the storm blows itself out a little bit. Although again, Kind of unusual because it's getting stronger as it moves toward as it moves towards Alaska. You can look at the the ADN's got satellite imagery up on their website, and you can see the size of this storm. It is essentially uh, it, it essentially encompasses the entire western coast of Alaska from the tip from down at Adak all the way up to Uktavik. I mean, it's a huge band of storm clouds. Uh, not a, not a good time to be hanging out in there right now. Let me just, let me just put it that way. Not a good time to be hanging out on the West coast of Alaska. If you don't have to, for sure. 
And then finally, uh, Must Read Alaska had a podcast up where they interviewed Ivan Moore. Now, Ivan Moore is a pollster. Uh, he is with Alaska Survey Research. Um, and uh, he always has some interesting things to say. I don't necessarily agree with him a lot of things, uh, but he definitely has some interesting insights. And he finally said what I think Democrats have been thinking to themselves for some time. He just said it out loud. And that was the fact that Lisa Murkowski can't win without her base of Democratic voters. He acknowledged the criticism of ranked choice voting, and then he admitted that she's the prime beneficiary of the open primary, the jungle primary, brought about by uh, number two. He said that, um, you know, she would not have had a chance in hell of making it through the Republican primary uh, based on what had happened over the last few years. He has done analysis of the race, the Senate race, uh, and it's not looking good for your hometown girl, uh, Kelly uh, uh, Kelly Chewbacca. Uh, he said in the Senate race, Democratic candidate Pat Chesbro is likely to be eliminated, uh, eliminated second after Buzz Kelly is eliminated because Buzz Kelly has basically thrown his hat behind uh, Kelly Chewbacca. Uh, and that nearly all of her votes were go, uh, go to uh, Murkowski, that a negligible number of uh, Chesborough voters will um, pick Chewbacca. But he said the one thing we can say for certain right now as we approach the general election is that we'll go to a Murkowski-Chewbacca final. And the particular poll that he just completed said the result is going to be 57 to 43 percent Murkowski. Um, he said he has polled the Senate race five times in the past year. And that Murkowski has won in a head-to-head every single time. He said it's not impossible for Kelly to win. But uh, he said that it's basically a one-in-five chance of winning right now based on even an online betting market where they're betting real money uh, as to who's going to bid. And Murkowski is the favorite uh, 80% of the time. And he said that she's she's walking a dangerous game because uh, she's moved gradually left Uh, since uh, losing the primary to Joe Miller to try and attract those moderates and uh, more progressive uh, Democrats out there. And she is uh, she's playing a a different game. He said he he actually said that if he analyzed her record without her name being attached, he would have guessed that Murkowski is a Democrat. In fact, he would guess that 100 percent that is a Democrat if he just said there was no name attached. That's what he said, which, wow. I mean, you say, again, saying the quiet part out loud. That's what it's all about. All right, we're about ready to jump into this. Ginger Bryant is in the green room, ready to go. We're going to talk with her here in a minute. And uh, then we got Ron Gillum coming up in hour two. And maybe some phone calls and discussions with you as well. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based. Free Thinking Radio. We appreciate you guys coming in and uh, being part of it. We will continue with Ginger Bryant in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. Okay, 
Uh, yeah, I ran out of time. Uh, uh, Rob Myers makes the point on YouTube that uh, more Ivan Moore also said that Republicans could be the prime beneficiaries of ranked choice voting if they choose to use it properly. And he's not wrong, is that if we played the game correctly, it might actually benefit us, but it's such a hot mess. I don't even know. I mean, how would you, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right, let's, um, you guys have been, you guys have been chatty this morning. Uh, let me go over to the, uh, green room here. I see that, uh, Ginger is in there and ready to go. Let's, uh, talk with her first and see if, uh, see what her audio sounds like and everything else. We'll kind of make sure it's all set up before we get started. And, uh, good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks. How are you doing? Good. Good. Oh, look at you. You sound good. you sound good. We got it. Uh, I'm just adjusting awesome. a little bit here. Make sure that we don't blow my, blow everybody's ears out. Um, okay. Uh, so are you all ready to tackle this thing? I am. I got a dark spot. I'm going to put a little light on. It. Oh, you're fine. You're, you're good. Okay. You do your thing. I'm going to put you back into the green room and uh, you can uh, you can adjust the lighting to your heart's content. Uh, get yourself a cup of coffee and do all that stuff. Meanwhile, I'm going to go back over to the uh, go back over to the chat room and answer some questions and some comments that were going on here this morning. How small was the boat? I don't know, James. Uh, that was not reported in any of the reports. I only read two or three reports on it. They just said small boat, but as Brian points out, in the Bering Sea, any boat is a small boat. I worked on a 124-foot fishing boat in the Bering Sea. It was a small boat compared to the – no, that one was only 97 feet. So it was still a small boat, right? Uh, so I don't know how small. But, boy, yeah, big brass ones. Those guys were – I don't know how they floated with the big brass ones that they had there. Um, Let's see. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian said every boat is small in the Bering Sea. He's, uh, then James said, there's a guy who's going to try to set the record for crossing the Atlantic in a one-meter sailboat. Good Lord. I mean, okay, but why? Why? Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. And then Brian, because my brain is not engaged this morning 100%, I haven't, all the caffeine hasn't kicked in. He's like, what's the name of that peninsula? You know, the one where Nome is? And for the life of me, I could not remember at that moment. Uh, Kamchatka is the correct answer. Thank you, Brett, for coming to my rescue. Um, and then, <laughs> Larry, I I don't even know what to say. We were talking about the pollster, Ivan Moore, who does polls for a living Alaska survey research. And Larry says polls are for strippers. Uh, what? I, Larry, come on. Seriously. This is a family-friendly show. We only talk about hookers and blow occasionally. I mean, what's your problem over there? Um, all right. Um, and again, Rob points out that Ivan Moore also talked about the fact that ranked choice voting could work to the benefit of Republicans if they chose to use it properly, since we're the ones who tend to vote split a lot and not the Democrats, which is an accurate analysis from Moore. Uh, the problem is, is that nobody trusts the voting system anymore. I mean, that's that that's a whole thing in and of itself. The distrust of the voting system in general is kind of a tough thing right now. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, I saw that, Gail. I saw the uh, I saw the hot mic moment with the president. Uh, that was an interesting thing. Uh, yeah, Sean just joining us here. 
Uh, Seward Peninsula. Is it Kamchak? Which was the? All right. I don't even know. Gnome is on the Seward Peninsula, says Sean, and he should know he lives out there. All right. Uh, we're going to be, um, we're going to jump back into this. I can only be wrong so many times in a morning before I finally just give up. We're just going to talk with uh, the the guest instead. All right. Hey, don't blame me. I haven't had coffee this morning. I had a Red Bull, uh, not a Red Bull, a monster or whatever. It was delicious, but has not quite kicked in yet. <sighs> All right. We're 20 seconds out. We're ready to do this thing. We're about to get the bell ding here in just a second. It's going to go off. Oh, look at that. See, I told you. I warned you this time. All right, we're going to dive into it. Let's uh, jump into it. Ginger Bryant is our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's uh, like and share, like and share, like and follow. Do the youtube things. Do it. Do it. Okay, I was just complaining about how my coffee hasn't kicked in because I haven't drank any yet. Uh, but we're going to see how well this interview goes. I might not be able to string two words together. Uh, joining us this morning in our series, uh, our continuing series of candidate interviews, trying to get to know, get to know me, getting to know the candidates is uh, Ginger Bryant, who is a nonpartisan, undeclared, no party affiliation candidate. For House District 6, which was previously, or still is, does it change now? Uh, anyway, House District 31, the seat currently held by Sarah Vance. She's running for election, uh, Ginger is, uh, in that race, and she's about to tell us all about uh, uh, this run and uh, why we should vote for her. We're bringing her on the program right now because we can. Good morning. How are you this morning? I've got my coffee, so yeah, like I, I I don't know how you do this every morning, man. I, I'm I, a night owl. I, this I, is... I should have done it. I should have brought coffee this morning, but for some reason, I don't know. There was other temptations, like I, another ten minutes of sleep. That was the thing. So uh, anyway, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Thanks for having me today. Um, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get down it. Let's just get down into the nitty gritty and uh, and see what's going on. Um, all right. So, um, first of all, tell us a little bit about Ginger Bryant, who you are, where you are, where you came from, uh, for folks who just don't know who you are. Um, and, uh, and give us some, give us some background on yourself. Okay. Well, my name is Ginger Bryant and I live in Homer and I've lived here for 20 years. I uh, took a leap of faith 20 years ago. Somebody told me they had a a cabin on the front row seat to the Catchmack Bay, and I took a blind leap of faith and haven't looked back. So I'm, I'm up here. This is my community. I came from Colorado. I'm actually a Columbine graduate, so there's there's that in my background. Um, I have done conflict resolution and mediation, and this is my first voyeur and being front facing. I'm always somebody in the back kind of helping teams get together, find their groove, working out the glitches and helping people move forward. So this is the first time that I've been a, a forward facing candidate. So this is a, this is, this is kind of exciting and kind of new. So. Well, and that's, 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 the, that's the, the next question that I always ask is, you know, especially you say you're usually behind the scenes and, 
now you're forward facing. When exactly did you lose your mind? Uh, you know, what exactly was it a single? Was it when my mind went? Yeah. So I, I I always like to ask, was it like a single aha moment where you're mad as hell and not going to take it? Or is it, was it like a cumulative thing? What was it? It, it was a little, I heard about the constitutional convention that was coming down. And I did my research and I looked around and I, I called all my mentors. I called all the people that I thought would like be good to like put in this. And they were all were like, well, what about you? Well, what about you? And then I, they were like, you've got the skills you've got, you know, and finally it was like, oh, damn, it is me. <laughs> and so that was the moment that I was like, damn, I, I guess I got to put myself out there. So got to do it. I started the path and I, I'm into the process. We'll see what the outcomes are. Yeah. I think that our paths, we don't even know where they're going. Right. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure why I've been put on this path, but I know I'm on the right one. And, and um, here we go. You're going to, going to give it a shot. All right. So shot. you're, uh, you're classified as a nonpartisan um, and explain to people who, cause this, this show is probably uh, more team red than team anything else at this point. I mean, I'm a libertarian, so I'm team yellow. Uh, I don't know what that means, I, but you know, so, but where, where does, where does that put you on the spectrum? You said you've helped other candidates. You've been behind the scenes. You've done some of those other things. Well, no, no, no. I, I've helped other teams, not necessarily. Oh, teams. This, okay. Okay. This is, I do conflict in your, resolution. Oh, in your work. Okay. All right. right. I, I misunderstood. Right. So okay. Been, politically speaking, this is kind of, okay. And you know, I, Starting the process in May, realizing that it was me, looking at all the things I had to do. Honestly, I I, I looked at the Democratic. I I, I was kind of already registered as one, but it was just default. wasn't really thinking about it. And there were some really good programs that would have trained me and gotten me money. And but but but, but I couldn't do it. I, I I'm not Democratic affiliated enough. Right. Actually, when I really started looking at it, I'm more yellow. I'm a libertarian because I, what I really believe and what I really think, it would have been the easy path. Just say, hey, I'm blue. Right. But I'm not. Right. I'm not. I'm, I'm all over the map. You, you give me a, a thing and half the time I'm dead square with the, you know, it's, it's the issues. So my well, color it is, is it's the middle. The yeah, it's the middle of the road. I mean, more people in this country since 2016 or 2017 have identified with libertarian values than any of the other parties. So as much as much press and ink that as is thrown over the whole Democratic versus Republican thing, most people are kind of in the middle. Um, uh, you know, they're kind of some of this, some of that more independent, more libertarian. And Alaska actually has more independence than anything else and undeclared than anything else. So. Not surprising, not surprising. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, totally, and you know, I'm, like I said, when I really looked at it and thought, who can I be? I was like, I can't be a Democrat. I can't be a Republican. So this fits me. Okay. I'm independent. There we go. There you go. That's, it's good to know. Because uh, sometimes, you know, we've seen it in the past where some candidates, and in this state, it seems to be predominantly uh, Democrats who changed their affiliation from Democrat to independent or nonpartisan because they know that the blue moniker will get them no votes from a big chunk of the population. So we just, we like to check in on that to see where this is at. Um, well, okay. Uh, I will clarify. I am 
I am a Quaker with a peace degree. So when you look at where I am in the circle, I'm definitely on the soft side of the things. And But I didn't go independent for the votes. I got it because that was seriously when I looked at who and what I was. Sure. That's what I well, it's so. good to know. It's good to know. Uh, look, on this program, we're equal opportunity here. We like to talk to everybody. Um, it, it, you not that. That. You have been awesome. I want yeah. to seriously thank you for putting us all out here and getting our voices through. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just I think it's important that even people we disagree with, we still have to have conversations in a in a way that is, uh, you know, polite and uh and we can still agree to disagree. That's, I think, something that's been lost in media today is the ability to agree to disagree. Um, but let's talk a little bit about your constituency. Um, I'm assuming that since you've been running for office here that you um, uh, have gone out and talked to your constituents. Have you done door knocking and things like that? I always like I, to – go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, actually – what I've been doing a lot of is I really am connecting with the younger folks. So I'm going to honestly, from like 11 to one, you can find me in the bars talking to the young kids, <laughs> talking to those 21 year olds and 22 year olds and just being like, no engagement, possibly. Right. Hello. Find out what they're and, doing and what they're doing. And so what's on their mind? Um, what what they want me to help them with is obviously housing, education. Um, this constitutional convention's got them a little freaked out when they really like stop and think about it and think about everything, everything that is in our agreement that, that's on that could be changed. Sure. Some things should be changed, some things that shouldn't, but it's all it's all open. And that's they're like but what about this? I was like, ah, that'd be open. What about right. that? Well, that'd be open. And right. Uh, is there any discussion? Uh, because I mean, door knocking when I ran for office was always my favorite thing because it, a chance to talk to people on their home turf, get a true sense of where they were at. Any discussion on you know the size of government, the uh, the PFD, the economy, inflation, crime. I know in Homer, housing is like a huge issue simply because there is no housing in Homer. Uh, but other than that, beyond that, is there any of the other issues that were important to them? Uh, housing definitely one. the The PFD it seems to be one of those, and that I agree with. It just it almost doesn't matter what we do, but do that. Like there is a law. Let's follow the law or change the law. If there's rules, laws, you follow them. You don't start playing around with it and then later say, oh, well, look, I changed it, you know, and you can't. It, it, right. What we, and if we need to, to rearrange it, if we need to, it, fine, do it, let us count on it, and then you move on. But this jerking us back and forth and, well, we changed it, so now you got to give us the keys to the Constitution so we can change it back for you. Well, Right. No, already a law. Well, it's already our money. see, I, I would disagree with that argument because it's not like, oh, we changed it. So now give us the keys. The people who changed it, the people who refuse to follow the law are the ones that are are the ones that are most opposed to the constitutional convention. Because, again, they're the inmates in the asylum with the keys already. They don't want to give them up. See, that's the problem. You got the John Coghills and the Kathy Geisels of the world and the Bryce Hedgemans who are like, no, we're not going to follow the law. We can do whatever the hell we want because we're the legislature and we think we know better than you how to spend your money, the PFD. And so we'll take it 
and you'll just like it. And, oh, wait, you're going to take the keys from us by putting it in the Constitution and tying our hands? Oh, well, we couldn't have that because we need that money more than you do. We know better than you how to spend the money. That's the politician's disease, Ginger. I mean, am I wrong that there is a strong current in the Alaska government, in the state government, in the national government to pat us on the head and say, you poor, poor, pitiful children, we know better than you how you should Raise your kids, live your life, take care of yourself, do this, do that, spend your money. We know better than you. Is that not the politician's disease? I, and that's where I've become like you, Michael. I'm a libertarian. I'm like, we are all in the circle. Everybody has their place in the circle. Nobody's above or below. And what you do at 2 a.m., that is your business. Your money is your money. Right. Your privacy is your privacy. You know, whatever you do at 2 a.m., I, I don't care. I don't care if you're deep in prayer or deep in porn. That's up to you. As long as you're not trying to take other people's rights and money and resources, we have a law. You follow the law, right. period. If you don't like the law, change the law. But who's ever messing with it? Whatever label they come with, no. No, that's not how we do things. Right, absolutely. change the rules to suit us. We follow the rules or we change the rules and everybody has a chance to adjust their behavior. Right. Uh, Ginger Bryant is our guest, uh, uh, undeclared candidate for House District 6. So uh, before we go to break here, just a clarification, because we've been kind of all over the place here, but on the PFD, you favor the statutory PFD at this point to follow, hashtag follow the damn law, you, to follow the law as it's written right now. Yep. Or, or we change it. And if, if somebody has a better way to, to come up with it, that we can get it and we can all agree on it, then let's do that. But right. right now we have a law, we follow it until we've changed it. That's uh, basic. Which also, of course, they passed a second law, which was uh, SB 26, the POMV law, which was in direct contravention. It was in direct, op you know, it, it's an opposing law. It's a, it conflicts with uh, the statutory PFD. Uh, and now you've got two competing laws, and then they try and get the justification up there. Uh, SB 26, of course, the POMV does not have some of the same protections that the statutory formula does. Statutory formula rises and falls with the bulls and the bear markets and everything else. The POMV is just a straight, we're going to draw this much amount every year. We're going to spend it on government and do that. Uh, it could overdraw. It could take more than it needs to. It could do a lot of different things. Would you support repealing SB 26, the percent of market value law? Uh, in favor of leaving the statutory PFD on the books? I kind of like the statutory PFD. I, I like it that way. And, you know, it it was a gift. And, and, and if we run out of it, then we should have done better. But again, that's our money. If we run out, That'll be unfortunate. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we well, have no, it's it's self filling. I mean, every year the earnings of the fund spin off into that account, and we get a small portion of it. Not a huge portion, a small portion, a rolling average. I mean, it's 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 built to continually build, and it can and as long as they continue to follow the law by depositing the earnings. Uh, from the from the permanent fund itself into the earnings reserve and then rolling the average and then transferring the money. As long as they keep doing that, based on, again, the vagaries of the markets, the ups and downs, that fund will continue to grow uh, in the long term. That's that's how it works instead of just automatically drawing off a percentage and saying that's ours. Uh, and so 
uh, I think it's important to uh, to address that. All right, Ginger Bryant is our guest. We're coming up uh, into the uh, break. She is an undeclared candidate for House District Six, but we got to pay some bills. So let's uh, let's do that, shall we? We're going to pay some bills, and we're going to come back in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. If you want to check us out on Facebook, feel free to do that as well. We're broadcasting live there with the chat room and more. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. We return with Ginger Bryant in just a moment. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we are uh, in the break right now. Commercial break. Ginger Bryant is our guest. Uh, Rick in the chat room says, um, uh, Ginger, don't forget the property owners gave up their mineral rights. And I would correct Rick mildly to say, we didn't give up our property rights. Those were taken by the federal government as a condition of statehood. That was not a choice that the framers of the Constitution of the state had to do. The Fed says, if you want to be a state, you have to retain the mineral rights. Otherwise, no statehood for you. And so that was a, uh, I, mean, I guess it would have been a choice if we didn't want statehood. But then they then they shipped in a ton of military personnel and made them vote in the election as well. So, I mean, there's a whole thing about statehood we could get into. But, yeah, <clears throat> basically we don't have mineral rights. Jay Hammond said that the permanent fund dividend was the most uh, pro-capitalist move that we could get for uh, compensating people for the loss of their mineral rights was giving them a portion of that oil wealth through the PFD. Uh, Ginger, do you agree with that? Absolutely agree with that. I I watch how our minerals and our resources head outside, and I'm just like, we are leaving so much on the table, and we have made so many deals that we've had to make. Or, yeah, I there's a lot of things I would like to to redo with those mineral rights and a few other things and, and bring it back to Alaska. Cause I think some money makers are taking advantage of us a little bit there. So, well, you know, I mean, we, those- you know, unfortunately um, there's not a lot we can do about uh, the mineral rights in Alaska. The, this, the constitution of the state is one of the most quasi socialistic documents in the country. Um, and we kind of have to live under that mandate because you can't undo all the things that happened at statehood. But you can make sure that the people receive their portion uh, as shareholders in the state, as citizen owners. You can uh, make sure that they receive their uh, a piece of their fair compensation through the PFD. Uh, I mean, let's face it, the government already gets – um, they get 75% of the royalties go straight into the treasury, all the corporate taxes, the severance taxes, the property taxes, all the fees, everything associated, all those monies go straight into their coffers. 25% of the, of the royalties go into the permanent fund. And then they spin off those earnings and take a portion of a portion of it and then distribute it to the people and to the government as envisioned. It was supposed to be a 50-50 split. The people get half, the government gets half for their, for their running. And now- 
all they want to do is take more and more. It's like we had a whole cake on the thing and they got all but one slice. And now they're like, you don't really need that slice. You're fat. Stop. You just, you will eat it for you. Don't worry about it. You're left with a few crumbs. And then pretty soon they'll have us just wiping the plate down and saying, you don't get anything. That's the problem, in my opinion. Yeah, that, those are our, we are the circle. That's our mineral rights. We are being paid for them. That is, again, it's, it's simple. You follow the law, you follow how it was set up, and you don't just, you don't take people's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, they see it, and you're like, oops, psych. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. That's not okay. Sorry. It's not you. okay. Yeah. I mean, look, I've never been happy with the Constitution in the state of Alaska for the mineral rights and everything like that. I mean, I again, quasi-socialistic for sure. Um, but we got to work within the framework that we have right now, and we'll have to see uh, what happens uh as we go forward. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, in some ways been very tough for us, um, to have to live under those, uh, the, you know, the auspices of this collectively, this collective ownership. Um, yeah, follow the, that's one of our, one of our sayings around here, of course, is, uh, follow the damn law, uh, hashtag. Um, all right. Uh, let's see, where are we at here? We're about, uh, uh, two minutes out. Let me see if anybody else has got a comment that we can, uh, hit on here. Uh, I thought right wingers hated communism. Um, I think a lot of people hate communism. Uh, yeah, I don't like communism. You're right, Darren. Uh, we don't like communism. Um, let me go back over here. Um, that portion of the PFD. I'm just scrolling through some of the comments here to see if there's anything else. Um, P, uh, Politidic says exactly the POMV law is that the is the only one they follow and they ignore the statutory law when the budget comes out not following the statutory law how do you vote so if there is a conflict and you're faced with a vote on the floor like we had in this last session where there is a full pfd vote passed by the senate and the house could have concurred if you had been in that uh in that uh in that vote how would you have voted at that point who ah I have to be honest. I, I would. I would. I'd have to really look at the, the chances are statutory. I would follow the law. I would. What What is the law? What are we expected to be doing here? And I would do that. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we would hope so. If you're a fan of the statutory uh, dividend and that's your primary goal, then and the law. yeah, and following the, the law. If, yeah. if it, you know, if we change the law, that's one thing. But at this point, well, if that's yeah. what we do, if yeah. I'm there to follow the laws. I'm not going to be not. Right. Well, the law, that's what the law was. The law still stated it, and many uh, in the legislature voted against it, even though that was the law. All right, uh, Ginger, hold the line here for a second. We're going to be right back to you. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, we're continuing now. Ginger Bryant is our guest. She is an undeclared candidate for House District 6, formerly House District uh, 31 down on the peninsula uh, in the Homer area, Lower Peninsula. 
Um, we were talking about the PFD and the statutory law before we went to break. She just said uh, that she would uh, vote in favor of the law. And if the law has changed, she's okay with that. But uh, we should follow the law as it sits right now. Uh, but you've mentioned the ConCon. Con, uh, but for, before we get to the ConCon, Con, I, I want to talk for just a second. On your website, you you I you know because I've been through there a couple days looking at it, and I kept looking for kind of like an issues page to see where you sent it, and instead you put like these video essay kind of things up. T- tell me a little bit about that decision um, on uh, on your website. What what's the you know why not have a page that says here here's where I stand on the issues, and instead have these videos? Why? I'm just curious. Because in the multimedia age, I think people will listen a lot more than they'll read and the people that I'm going for and most people they they want to hear these little vignettes so I've kind of done the YouTube channel kind of just mimicking that just seeing what I think would work just trying a whole new fish bait I guess you know and I I just think that those are more successful and people can just hear what I have to say and people aren't reading as much as they used to and then going out and reading and and we're do- and those little vignettes get shared. We're, we're, those are sharing, and people are sharing those. Right. We're doomed as a society if people stop reading. I'll just say that for nothing. Oh, uh, you know, I'm that's, not disagreeing. Um, they're look, just things that, and it was easier. Honestly, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. It's easier to just for me. I'm a verbal person, so it's easier for me just to say what I'm thinking and and do that little thing as opposed to sitting and writing out essays at this point. Let's talk about the Constitutional Convention, because that was the moment that you said you, poof, your head exploded uh, yeah. and you decided yeah. to jump in. Um, what is the, you know, what's your position uh, on the CONCON? Um, you think it is a good idea, bad idea? Uh, what and why? Horrible idea. Okay. Horrible. It's like, it's, we have a beautiful lodge and you think, Let's just burn it down and just see if we can do better. You know, it. we don't know who the architects are going to be. We don't know if there's going to be enough money. We don't know if we're going to have all the supplies. But let, let's just burn it down and see. If, I mean, it's we've amended it before. Amended, you know, and these people who are like, well, you know, we, we could just maybe play around with it. And if we don't like it, we can shut it down. And, you know, sometimes when you start a fire... I, I I think that's I think that's a disingenuous argument because I don't think as much as uh, you know we've got the lodge and we're just going to burn it down. It is hey we really would like to put a safe uh, you know entrance into this lodge and we'd like to do some remodeling and change a few things. It's not burning the whole thing down. It's opening it up and bringing an architect in to say what are, you know what can we do? We want to do this this and this. And then having the people at the end say, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Um, Yes, the Constitutional Convention, unlike an amendment process uh, by the legislature, uh, is uh, is broader. It's open. I'll be honest, when I first when they first started discussing it, I was um, I was against it. Uh, But the more that I thought about it, the more that I looked at the stop gaps, the more that I look at the fact that the people themselves have to vote on each and every change that would come up into the Constitution. That uh, that gave me some hope on top of the fact that there is no political will, as I pointed out earlier, the same architects that are stealing the PFD right now are the same ones that are vehemently opposed to it because they know there is no political will in the legislature to fix this through a constitutional amendment via the legislature. This is really 
the only way we're going to be able to clean up our own house. And, uh, and again, you get the people involved. It's a longer process. It's a public process. You get delegates. Uh, but the bottom line is the people are the ones that finally have to say yes or no to any proposed changes that are out there. Do we not trust the people of the state of Alaska? It's not a matter of not trusting the people because the people can say they want to put out a fire, but it doesn't mean we can always do that. And then there's a process. So it's disingenuous to say that the people of Alaska will have supreme say over everything. Once a process gets started, there are people that are very skilled at taking away their choice. And so once this process gets started, you don't know where it's going to go. It's going to be a pinball. And to think that any one party or any one person can control it when there are just I'm a conflict resolution expert and I can see when things get up and get, you know, so maybe if we were at a place where we could all sit down and rationally talk about this, but right now in this environment, thinking that we can rationally discuss all of those things, I'm not thinking this is the time. I'm thinking that that's a conflict that is just going to escalate and it's not, it's not going to be the people's will. It's just not. Well, There's I mean, going to be somebody going to change something. I mean, and sure. you don't vote on everything. You don't say, "Do you want to change one?" Okay, yes or no. Two. It's it's a big package. Uh, it and can be a big package, or it can be separated out. That's the thing. I mean, so the question we don't know. We don't know what the lieutenant governor. We don't know how the the thing is going to be set up. There's just so many mushy parts of it that it's just. There's just too open. So to you, too many so you advocate that we should. Against the con con. So you, no con con. So the, no party. So you advocate that we should just continue on the way that we've been doing things right now. The continuation of the same thing that we're doing um, over and over. I mean, speaking of conflict, the one thing that sucks all the oxygen out of the room every year is the PFD and has for the last seven years. There's obviously no. Let it do that. If we just followed the law and just did it. The fact that they keep putting it up as the the thing to bat around the thing, that right there, that's part of the problem. Well, that, it, it, that's exactly it. it. I mean, that's 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 my whole point is that they, that's what they continue to do, that they do not want to have that. They enjoy the conflict. I mean, they are taking advantage of that conflict by batting it around and doing those things. There is no political will to fix it otherwise. Take away the conflict, don't burn down the constitution because somebody wants to have a conflict. But see, I don't, again, burning down the constitution, you keep using that phraseology and that's not, I mean, you know, New Hampshire has amended their constitution like 25 or 30 times over the last 200 years. We've uh, modified our constitution. They've had constitutional conventions 20 times where they've done it that way. We've done most of ours through the legislative process. We could open it up for a constitutional convention. I think that it's the dark, scary boogeyman that everybody's afraid of, but the people have the ultimate say. You hope that the people have the ultimate say. Well, no, I mean, they do. Gerrymandering, you look at. They do. They have to vote. Now, whether it's a single package or the whole or or piecemeal, they still have to vote on approval of any constitutional amendment that comes out. And they could say no to the whole thing. And we could have wasted three years. $20 million. Well, $20 million. We have an $8 billion budget. They spent $600,000 on diving boards in Anchorage, $20 million at this point to exercise the will of the people and to fix the problem is cheap. 
$20 million to make sure that another billion dollars flows into people's hands in the form of a full statutory PFD or a constitutional PFD? $20 million is cheap. Okay, why why can't we do that through an amendment? Why do we have to open up Because the there con- is no political will to get it done, Ginger. I mean, you've seen it. This We've been watching it for the last seven years. The, those that are in power don't want to make the changes and don't want to acknowledge that it's the people's money and that it's the people's right and that they should follow the law. I, we're up against the break here. So I want to give you the last minute for your pitch, elevator pitch, why people should vote for Ginger Bryant, what separates you from your opponent, how do they find out more about you. Go. Ginger Bryant for Alaska. I'm on YouTube, Ginger Bryant for Alaska at Gmail. You can write me. I'll write you back. You can give me a call at 907-235-4226. GingerBryantForAlaska.org is my website. And I am I am in this to make a difference, to give us a different path. And no to the Constitutional Convention, absolutely a big no on that one. A big yes to getting more young people up here into our incredible AvTech system and yes to doing AvTech using AvTech to build small houses all over Ginger Ginger Bryan thank you for coming on board folks we're out of time Ron Gillum up next All right, Ginger, uh, we're in the commercial break here, but I want to give you the last uh, couple minutes here, the last bite at the apple where we're not uh, crushed by the clock um, and have to do it. Uh, But again, just to follow up on what we were just talking about, the problem is and people say, well, we should just do it through the legislature. Uh, They tried. Governor Dunleavy put together SJR 6, which would have enshrined the Constitution, which would have enshrined the PFD in the Constitution. And it had a bunch of support. I mean, all across the board, even Louise Stute stood up there and said it. And then what happened? Nothing. Because the powers that be in the legislature are not interested in enshrining it in the Constitution because then they would have to follow the they can't statute they they can ignore statute. They can't ignore the Constitution. If we can't get an amendment through, if you, if you can't do an amendment, then why would you open up the whole thing? I mean. Well, because the whole thing is being stymied right now by the old guard in the legislature. They're the ones that they're the ones that have held that back. It wasn't all the 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 uh, congre- or the uh, legislators and the governor standing there during the press conference and doing all those things saying here's what we want. We want to do SGR 6. We want to put it in the constitution. They are all for it. It's those that are controlling the legislatures, which is the again the business as usual crowd that like to see this crisis and this conflict because it allows them to basically keep control of the situation. They they're the ones that want to do it. So why would we pass it off to the people to let the to let the people you know have a delegation and have them have final say? Because it's ultimately they who are have to, going to have to get the job done because the legislature does not have the political will to do it. I think if we tell our legislators to do it again, handing it off to the delegation, I don't see how you say that handing it off to the delegation and all the rules that the people are going to make on that convention, how is that handing it off to the people? You're handing it off to a process that you don't know about with delegates you don't know about. It's, I don't think you're Again, handing it off to the people, Michael. Uh, I agree to disagree with you on that. Yeah. I think opening it up is not giving it back to the people. I think there are too many people that are going to rush in with their own agendas and, and, and 
I don't I, think it's going to be giving it back to the people. I think I what think it, we, it does. Follow it. You don't open up the whole thing right. for one issue. Well, it's not just one issue. I mean, there's also retention of judges. There is, uh, you know, electoral uh, confidence. There are several other issues that while we're there, we could fix all of them. Um, that means that things like, uh, I mean, even abortion could be on the table for the pro and the con side. That could be on the table. This does nothing but open up a discussion. This does nothing but open up a discussion and give people the opportunity to have final say on it. And and I guess in the bottom I line is people final say, I think it opens it up. And it lets people monkey around with it. And it lets a lot of special interests do what they want. Like you said, the abortion issue. The abortion issue is on the table. Sure. And so are we going to end up with more rights or less rights after it? I don't think anytime you open up that constitution, we're going to walk away with more rights. Uh, I think we put your rights out there and people will just, especially in this environment, we will lose rights. Make no mistake. If we have a con-con... We lose. We lose rights. Uh, Ginger Bryant. Uh, Gun rights should be up there. We could. They're all on the table. Look, everything's on the table. I know that's a big push by the defender of constitution crowd. Is you could lose your gun rights. There are so many Democrats in this state that would run up against anything on gun rights. It doesn't have. That's not even a red blue issue in this state. Uh, we are. It's not. We're, no, it's we're, not. we're no. a pro gun that, state, that, and there's no way the people would ratify anything like that. And there's no way I. We have our guns. We we love our guns. We're yeah. going to keep our guns. And that's a red herring to me. I mean, yeah. oh. It I is a red herring. I well, love hearing. This is the one thing I want to compliment you on. I love hearing how you say rights and responsibilities. Be a gun owner, but what are your responsibilities? Right. I love that. Well, and as, as a legislator, I want to make it clear. It, the guns aren't even the issue. It's not the guns because I can hurt somebody with my car. I can hurt some. It's not. And by the time somebody made a law to take away the guns, it doesn't even matter because they're going to be on to drones. Sure. Right. What are we doing for the mental health of those kids and those people? What is making them want to attack? That's what we have to look at. Right. Those are the issues we have to do. It's not the guns. And again, I think I trust the people to be able to see that in the end, that they'll know. Um, But again, we'll have to agree to disagree on this. You think it's dangerous. While I am leery, I still believe it's a conversation that we need to have because obviously we can, we've told legislators, we've been talking about this on this program for 20 years uh, since the taking of the PFD. We've been talking about it for seven years now that, that we should be following the law. Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. And there comes a time when the people have to take that power back from the legislature because they're not willing to exercise the will of the people. That's, I think that's the if bottom line. The constitutional convention, if I thought it was really going to be an act of the people doing their, I don't think it is. I think it's special interest trying to get in there and monkey around with the, the issues they want. And they say, oh, look, it's your money. It's your PFT. Give us the keys to your constitution so you get your money. Well, we get our money, follow the law, and don't mess with the constitution. All right, Ginger Bryant, uh, House District 6. Uh, again, her website is gingerbryant4ak.org. I'm posting that link. For Alaska.org, yeah. uh, For Alaska.org. You can, uh, uh, you can take a look at that. I put the link up in the chat room. Uh, Ginger, thanks for coming on this morning. Appreciate you being part thanks of it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Michael. All right, thanks for uh, thanks for. 
Thanks for jousting with us this morning. We appreciate that. Uh, all right. Uh, we are coming up here on it. Uh, uh, Ron Gellum should be joining us here in just a hot minute, and we will see what uh, he has to say. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, do all the things that need to be done to get more people involved in the conversation. Uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. We will go from there. I guess that's it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world uh, on the uh, on the web uh, at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you will find uh, the show, all the information on the show, the links to our various social media resources, including uh, the streams on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, where we simulcast the show every morning. You'll find the audio-only live stream and, of course, links to the podcast on CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, that's the best places to go right there um, to get the podcast and download it every day. You'll never be without the show if you subscribe because it will automatically download it to your phone and you will be all good to go. It's um, it's just that good. I uh, want to talk about uh, our sponsor for the program this morning. I want to say thank you to our friends over there at Satellite West who are sponsoring this hour of the program. Uh, when it comes to communication in the last frontier, doesn't matter if you're out at ADAC or up there at Gamble crossing the Straits from Russia or up in the uh, Brooks Range or wherever the White Mountains, you'd like to send an email, you'd like to get a text, you'd like to make a phone call, you'd like to surf the internet. The folks at Satellite West can make it happen for you with their different devices and services that will allow you to access the Iridium Satellite Network, where you can talk to anybody, anywhere, at any time. They are the experts. Uh, I mean, they, they can do it. Even if they got to string a couple cans together with a big old piece of string, they can do that. Uh, SatelliteWest.com is where you find them and uh, all their information, their local dealers, and more. Uh, SatelliteWest.com, 
Thank you to them for sponsoring this hour of the program this morning as we uh, as we get things uh, ready to rock and roll for uh, our guest here for hour two. Uh, Ron uh, Gillum is going to join us here in just a hot second, and we're going to be talking with him about uh, his candidacy for state house uh, down on the uh, peninsula which is uh, in the new House District 7, which was House District 30. Uh, he is one of two Republicans running for the race. He's the current incumbent. And uh, we're going to have a conversation with him here in a hot minute. Um, he's, trying to, uh, he's trying to join the program uh, right now uh, via, the, uh, via the, uh, uh, the link that I sent to his email to join us here on the program. Uh, kind of a wrap-up from the last segment with uh, Ginger Bryant. Um, you know, again, a- agreeing to disagree. Uh, I think uh, it's um, I think it's a little frustrating to say, well, we just need to follow the law, which is, again, what we've been saying for years on this program, that we should, they should just follow the law and that, that we should just keep doing that same thing and shouting into the wind, essentially, um, that that's what it was, that we shouldn't take any other kind of drastic measure. Um, I think her main uh, opposition to the Constitutional Convention is the fact that she is pro-choice and uh, that that is a potential uh, opening in the CONCON is a discussion on the uh, privacy rights and abortion rights in Alaska. Um, uh, I think that really is the leading Uh, issue for her and for many who are in the moderate progressive category because they're concerned about that. And I understand that. Um, I think that it is a, uh, uh, I mean, I think that's a valid concern. Uh, But as I said, and as yesterday, as Josh Church said, this does nothing but open up the conversation. Could we have a conversation about that? Yes. Could we have a conversation about gun rights? Yes. But remember, the people have the final say on the whole matter. Uh, And I think that, uh, you know, they're the ones that are going to uh, uh, be the final arbiters of whether or not they want to live under a newly changed constitution. Um, and I trust the people for that in the long run. Now, is it a perilous path? Yes, absolutely. Will special interests be involved? Uh, duh. Um, we know that's that's going to go on. Um, it, it, uh, it really is... Um, it really is a tough. Uh, it really is going to be a tough issue. But is it the only issue that's that has any kind of workable solution at this point? Yeah, uh, because again, there is no political will to do this the right way. There is no political will to make this happen. Um, and uh, the you know we can talk about it all. I mean, for again, just for example, SJR six was proposed by the governor. And supported by many Republicans, include I mean, Louis Stutz was there of all people. Now, whether that was just politicking because she knew it wasn't going anywhere and wanted to put a feather in her cap, I don't know. But the bottom line is, is that everybody was there and they were all ready to go. And he had it proposed and it went absolutely nowhere. So saying that, well, the legislature should be the one that modifies the Constitution. Why would people in power abdicate that power? I mean, I think that's a valid question. Like, answer me that. Riddle me this. Why would the why would the people in power, the legislature, especially the leadership of the legislature, why would they be interested in relinquishing 
any of that power when they seem to all fully believe that they know better than us how we should run our life, how we should spend our money, how we should do all those things. Right? That's that's part of the that's that's the issue right there. All right. Uh, I see Ron Gillum is in the green room, but uh, uh, with uh, with no camera. Uh, so uh, let me see if I can uh, at least pull some audio from him here and we'll bring Ron Gillum uh, onto the program for now to see where he's at. Good morning, Ron. Are you with us? I am. I'm not sure what's going on with the camera. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll just kick things off here and start things, and uh, and we'll see we'll see what we can do for right now. You can work on that as we go through. Uh, but I want to get started because we're burning daylight here uh, on the uh, on the interview process. Uh, so, Ron, uh, folks, uh, tell folks how things have been going on. Um, uh, how how stuff's been going on in your campaign? You've been talking to people. You've been working with folks. Um, you've been out there uh, uh, talking to your constituents. Uh, what are folks uh, What are folks telling you uh, right now um, in your uh, in your district? Well, um, first of all, that last uh, interview was quite interesting, but uh, <laughs> but it's actually going pretty good. Um, you know, we're out talking to people, and I'm getting a lot of a lot of good feedback. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going. Um, you know, there's, there's mixed feelings on the ranked choice voting there. I've actually had some people say they really like it, which is kind of a surprise, but you know, it's the younger generation that say they like it. Then, uh, you know, the older people, they, they don't, um, you know, and then it's back to the dividend. Uh, most people, you know, just say, follow the law. So, you know, kind of the same thing until we can get that changed. You know, there's really not a whole lot we can do. So, <clears throat> what about uh, what about the permanent fund dividend? I mean, you just heard uh, Ginger talk about that. You heard, uh, you know, that she's vehemently opposed to the concon. I mean, she's not in your district, but again, neighbors right up against you. Uh, what is the you know what is the take on the PFD and the concon? What are what are your constituents saying about those two hot button issues? Well, basically, follow the law. Uh, you know, if we're going to change the dividend, then uh, you know it has to be done by the people, not by legislators. And as far as the Constitutional Convention, um, you know, we're getting a lot of positive on that. And once people understand that people of Alaska have the last say, and I'll be honest, I was one of those. Uh, in the beginning, I was not for it because I was worried about opening up the Constitution, but when you start realizing that Alaskans actually have the last say that kind of changed my mind on it. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. And you're right. The legislature, there is not the legislative will to do anything right now. They're staying controlled. And as long as they can keep that control, they're not going to do anything. Well, and, and I think that is the, that, that's the point, because what we hear from a lot of the people who are against the Constitutional Convention at this point is we shouldn't open it all up because it is it should be a, a piece by piece deal. And this should be the job of the legislature, which, I mean, theoretically, great. But we've seen this. I mean, you were you saw what happened with SJR six. Uh, what was the discussion in what was the discussion in the House over SJR six when um, uh, when that was. Uh, uh, you know, when that was coming up for discussion, what, what, what happened amongst your, your, your cronies and your, and your coworkers there? 
what 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 did you hear? What did you see? What was the what was the the will of the legislature from your point of view? Well, um, hey, there's a picture. The um, of course our our uh, Republican caucus, you know, they were in favor, but and even some of the ones on the left were in favor, but they have absolutely will not vote with us. They will vote with Louise Stutes and Bryce Edgman. So it doesn't matter what individually what they think, they will vote the way they're told to vote. And that's where we lose. It goes back to that rule of 21 and there was only 18 of us and 22 of them. So right. you know, how, do you, how do you change something like that? You outnumber them and that's what we're trying to do. Right. To put the, you know, put the number of uh, of uh, conservative Republicans pro PFD, not even again, I, I you know, at this point, I'm almost not even using party labels because, uh, you know, for me, the label that we need to be looking at is the question of pro government spend versus pro private sector spend. To me, that's really the that's really the better um, the, the better bellwether of what's going on. Right. I mean, that's kind of because we've got Republicans in there that just would love to spend that PFD. Uh, and we've got Democrats in there that would like to give the PFD to the people. So, I mean, this really is almost a discussion of pro government spend, uh, of the PFD versus pro private sector spend of the PFD. Right. Yeah, exactly. Excuse me. Um, just to give you one example of what happened, uh, when that budget vote came up for the concurrence, we had five of the Democrats, including Bryce Edgman, who was going to vote for the budget and give us our full dividend. But when the two, uh, well, Eastman and Kirka voted against it, that gave them their out and they chose to vote against it. And that's how we lost. So it was two of our own that cost us our dividends. And like I said, how do you beat that besides outnumber them? Right. Well, and, and again, that comes back to whether or not really it should be a party issue or not, because, uh, uh, you know, maybe we should be talking more about uh, their position on it rather than the party position. I mean, would we and this is an interesting <clears throat> this is an interesting uh, thought, uh, you know, I mean, should we be creating basically a coalition uh, or a majority that's based not necessarily just on party, but basically based on what the position is on the PFD. Should it be a PFD caucus versus a party caucus in your mind? I mean, would that be something that you would support if if you had a, a caucus that came together that said, we are not going to agree about everything, but we're all going to agree on one thing. We need a full statutory PFD and we need to fix this PFD issue. Would that be something you could get behind? You know, I don't know. Um, when you start putting these caucuses together, we're still individuals and we have a right to do what we want to do for our district. Um, so to say, you know, basically you're talking about putting together a binding caucus for the dividend. No, I and, mean, I would still say it would be a non-binding caucus, but I would say that the primary purpose as stated at the formation of the caucus would be, we're not going to agree on a lot of these other things and we can fight it out amongst ourselves. But the one thing that we can all unanimously agree on is that we would like to see a full statutory PFD and have this PFD problem settled. That I could probably get behind. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, look, look, we're, I think what's going to have to, if it, if this does come down to a legislative thing, because the con con fails, I think what it's going to take is it's going to take one session 
of some kind of coalition coming together, some kind of pro-PFD, statutory PFD coalition coming together and saying, we're going to put everything else aside for this year. We're going to focus on the PFD and the regular budget, and that's it. That's all we're going to – we're not going to do any – start any new programs. We're going to fund what we have, and we're going to fix the PFD. I think if people came down and knuckled down and did that, it would – you know, we had the possibility and the potential for fixing it. But it would require people to do things that are uncomfortable, cross party lines and do everything else. But like I said, party lines almost don't matter anymore. Look at what happened in the Senate. Party lines almost mean nothing. Coal, you know, coalitions that, well, we've got to have a full Republican coalition. Well, how'd that work out for you in the Senate? Right? How'd that, how, how'd that work? So maybe that's not the answer. We had 21 Republican, you know, basically people with ours in the House. How'd that work out? We still end up with an 18 major, uh, minority. Right. Exactly. So, you know, so maybe the, as- So maybe the commonality is not the animal that you're wearing on your lapel. Maybe the commonality is what is our philosophy on the PFD? And other things, not just the PFD, but other things. I'm at cross party lines. I was uh, the second sponsor on Ivy Sponholtz telehealth bill. So, you know, and I signed on to Garen Tarr's raw milk bill. So, you know, I will do whatever is best for Alaska. It's not the party. You know, I am, I'm a registered Republican, but if I have a bill from the other side, that is a good bill for Alaskans. Yeah, I'll, I'll join in on it. Uh, Ron, so it's, it's, yeah, Ron Gillum is our guest. Sorry, Ron, I'm coming up on the break. I just realized I'm uh, we're pushing it here. So we're going to take a quick one. And when we come back, we're going to have more discussions with Ron Gillum. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will return with more and Ron Gillum in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget, you can always join us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch. That's where the chat room is and all the comments as well. You can be part of that conversation simply by going over there. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show is the easiest way to get there. All right, back with more. Ron Gillum, our guest, The Michael Duke Show. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. So uh, not to be that guy, Ron, but have you turned the camera on? That's what I'm trying to still trying to work on that. <laughs> still trying to. It says there's another camera on, but I don't know where it's at. Right, you're trying to trying to find it. Okay. Yeah, um, here we go. Let's try this. All right. So Ron uh, Ron is going to work on that here. Uh, we've got him in the background though, so we're all good together. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, let me go back into the uh, chat room uh, to see what some of the comments are, including. This one from Anthony. Party politics is the cancer in the bones of our government. Voting in lockstep with your gang instead of the will of people will never yield the needed results. I mean, I think that's it. I mean, we're sometimes I feel like we're trying to, you know, we try to jettison the 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 good in pursuit of the perfect. You know, we're trying to find that perfect collection of people with all R's or all D's next to their name. And I think those labels are not working. I mean, they're not working in this state, obviously. 
I mean, as Ron said, you got 21 Republicans in the House, but you don't have uh, you don't have a majority Republican majority. Uh, the, the we had a Republican majority in the Senate, and how did that look? It was a hot freaking mess because you had those that were in power basically pushing down on the majority of the majority uh, because they were you know, they were in power. It's uh, it's insane. Um, let's see. Um, Going through here, go through here. Um, God, I'm sorry. This is a comment from uh, this is a comment from a, a slow. Uh, this is a late comment from what Je- when Ginger was on. Jerrica says you got to love how she threatened the Second Amendment when talking about how the ConCon would bring up abortion rights. Yeah, I know. I mean, again, fear mongering, fear mongering. That's what it's all about at that point. Um, all right. Um, uh, going through, looking all this, uh, and, uh, what else did Anthony say here? If all of us got together and started to control the interests of a company for our own gain, they call it a mafia Rico conspiracy and put us in jail. When our government does it, they call it a caucus and get away with it. <laughs> You're not wrong at that point. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, that's it right there. So, uh, Ron, we'll just, uh, We'll just uh, deal with what we got right now. Uh, I would say at this point, quit futzing with it, and let's just uh, continue on. What else? Uh, what else have uh, you discovered in talking with your constituency since our last conversation? Oops, and Ron just left the ch- and Ron has left the chat room. Uh, Ron just disconnected, so we'll see if he reconnects here in a second, folks. <clears throat> you can like and share the video. You can like and follow the show page, and you can get it all done uh, on both Facebook, well, both Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. You can do all those things, and I hope you will. I hope you'll join us and say hi. I see that Chris is out on Twitch with us this morning. Did you see the ConCon debate last week? Profilers, pro-lifers really could blow it for the Project PFD crowd. And that was always, I mean, look, the ConCon was already in motion. The pro-ConCon movement was already in motion before the Roe v. Wade decision came down from the Supreme Court. And um, that we knew that that was going to be a potential death knell to the ConCon movement. If uh, the Supreme Court had just held off a little bit longer on that, we may have gotten it passed and uh, <clears throat> been in the middle of it when they did it. Not that I'm complaining, but... Uh, Timing-wise, that would have been an interesting uh, situation. Uh, anyway, that's a comment from Twitch. Um, <clears throat> um, uh, the hard verbal, the hard verbal stumble from the futz. Yeah, futzing with it. Don't futz with it. Um, Politidic says the PFD is all that is used in Juno to craft the budget. Take it off the table forever and force them to cut the budget to match the revenue they have coming in. Truly force them to diversify and expand our resource development. Expand private business, not government. Um, Yeah. No, I think those are all good things. Um, I just saw Ron uh, pop back in, and your camera was on for a hot second, and then it was gone. So, I don't know, Ron. Don't mess with it. (laughs) Don't mess with it anymore. We'll just just go with what we got right here. We'll just go with it as we see fit right here. All right. The Michael Duke Show continues. Like and share. Ron Gillum, our guest. Uh, We're going to dive into the second segment here and get things going. Uh, Here we go. Like it, share, like it, share, like it, share. Let's do it.
Okay, we're continuing now. Ron Gillum is our guest. We're talking about uh, issues related to the state uh, and more. Um, we just talked a little bit about the PFD and the makeup of uh, caucuses and government and everything else. Constitutional convention was a big question with our last guest, Ron. So let's, I guess, get that cleared up right away here and see what uh, you have to say on the constitutional convention. What uh, What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I think you were like I was early on. You were very leery of the potential, but I think, uh, you know, have you come around? What, what What's your position now? No, I was. I was very leery about it. Um until I got the understanding that the people of Alaska have the final say. So if anything we do, if it'll go back to the people of Alaska, I'm for it. And, you know, we have to put the trust in the people. Um, Your last uh, interview there, you know, my understanding, the way she said it, she doesn't trust the people. And I do. Alaskans are not stupid. They are very intelligent. They are good people. And then I'll let them, make that choice. So, you know, to put it in their hands, I'm good with it. Right. Uh, if, uh, if, the, if she doesn't have one, I will send her a constitution, you know, article one, section two, all political power is inherent in the people. Right. Maybe she doesn't understand that. I don't know. Well, because it seems like her option was <clears throat> again, and this has been the, this has been the position of many on the uh, pro or the anti-con con side has been, this should be a legislative process. The legislature should deal with this. The legislature should be the one to do that. Um, and while, I mean, I agree in principle that, that that was the easier and the cleaner method, because obviously it takes one issue at a time. Is there, the? I mean, in your experience of being down in the legislature for a couple of years, is there, is there the political will to make that change, to take the PFD off the table, uh, to stop betting it around like a volleyball? No, there's not. Uh, from the two years I was down there, from what I saw, that they don't want it off the table. That is where they will go if they want to distract people from anything else. Go back to the dividend. People are concerned about the dividend, so they will go there and make that the distraction. And so they don't want it off the table. Um, you know, we had a full statutory lawful dividend in the budget. The budget was funded fully, and yet they, when it went to conference committee, what did they cut? They cut the dividend. So until that is off the table, we're going to have issues. And you mentioned about the the caucus to work on strictly the dividend. That'd be a good thing. Just get the dividend off the table so we can go on doing business. Right. And, well, and I would agree with a comment from Politidic in the chat room here in the last segment where he said the PFD, all they use the PFD for is to craft the budget in Juneau. If you take it off the table forever and force them to, to look at their strictly the revenues that are available, taking the PFD out of the equation, you force them to cut the budget to match the revenue that they have coming in. It would truly force them. It is, as I said earlier, and I've said in the past over and over and over again, the only way to fix this creature is to... You have to starve the beast. You have to make them face the reality that there is no more free money. There's no pot of uh, of excess that you can dip into uh, and keep coming back. You would have to face the music that Alaska is spending too much. Now, that means either you have to create more revenue in the form of taxes on people or oil companies or something else, 
or you have to live within your means. It's the only way you're going to get people, um, you know, this distraction of the PFD has done a good job of basically allowing them to continue to expand and grow the size of government. Exactly. You know, when my finances change, I have to adjust it. I can't go and, and you know, dip into your savings account or checking account and make mine better. So I have to adjust that. And as far as a dividend, it should never have been in the budget in the first place. Well, we agree on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I you're right. Um, and I wish that Gen, uh, Governor Dunleavy had had uh, more strength of will to change it back to what it was uh, regularly. Uh, but I know that there would have been a huge amount of pushback on that as well. But at least he could have attempted it. It would have been good to see. Um, all right. So yes on the CONCON, yes on the statutory PFD. Um, you know, two of the big budget items that uh, we don't get a chance to talk about enough on this program, I think, um, are health and social services and education. These are the two largest bud- uh, budget items um, in the state budget, uh, and they're going to just continue to increase. Thanks to Governor Walker and his expansion of Medicaid, um, uh, taking every optional and available program on there uh, with the with the ruse that, oh, don't worry, the federal government will pick this up. We're, we're going to have to pick it up. That's it's, it, it never works out that the federal government's always going to pay for it. Eventually, we have to. How do we address this? Uh, how do we address this huge amount of money that we're expending on uh, on health and social services right now? I mean, we we have one third of the state right now is on Medicaid of one form or another. 270,000 people enrolled out of 700 and something thousand, 760,000 people, 270,000 people enrolled. How do we fix this problem? Well, one of the main issues with, with the, um, I think it's Medicaid is once a person is on it, they cannot be kicked off of it. And that, that needs to be changed somehow. Of course, you're dealing with federal and anytime you get the feds involved, it gets really, really sticky. And there are ways to go fix that. Um, I don't have my notes in front of me. I'd talk a little bit more about it. But uh, there are ways to deal with this. And, um, you know, we need to. So one thing I understand is if somebody was arrested and put in jail when they were let out, they were automatically put on Medicaid. And one, like I said, once they're on it, they don't get kicked off of it. Um, we have thousands of people on Medicaid who are basically ineligible. Um, you know, once they start working and earn such a certain amount of money, then they're off the Medicaid. That's one way to get them, you know, to get them off of that. But until until they want to go to work, you know, that's another issue. They have to be willing to go to work. These free handouts have to stop and and force people to get a job. And there's plenty of jobs. Well, yeah, there's definitely plenty of jobs. And somebody brought up the other day that means testing for this kind of benefit may be a better um, <clears throat> a better solution uh, for people and to not encourage them not to work but to encourage them to work I think this is uh, uh, I think that that's a, a a good call on that how about education what are some of your thoughts on the education system I mean we're spending 
gobs of money. Uh, we've uh, increased our education budget. I mean, it's like a you know the this Mount Everest curve of spending over the last twenty years in this state as it continues to rise. Yet we continue to have just pitiful. Scholastic scores, uh, we have one in four don't even graduate. Those who do graduate require remedial math to even take college-level courses. I mean, it just this litany of pain that comes from the school system. And yet the answer seems to be, which what we're seeing from the left right now, is now the battle cry of fully fund education. We need to fully, like we haven't been fully funding it now, uh, that we need to adjust the BSA so that it goes up. We should forward fund it for billions of dollars. Um, and yet, what have you done with the money that we've given you so far? Uh, what is the answer in your mind? How do we, how do we fix the education system, and how do we make it more efficient and more cost effective? Well, I think one way to do that is have the money follow the child. Um, you know, last year administration got a nineteen percent raise, and the teachers got a three percent. So that ought to tell you something. Uh, we have our administrative section of our school system. It's not failing schools. It's a failing system. We are funding a system. And when NEA comes in and tells our teachers, you have to do this, you know, don't teach them math. Don't teach them reading. You know, you have to teach these leftist uh, indoctrination. That That's what needs to change. We need to get back to fundamentals. Teach them something that is going to uh, help them after they graduate. Right. So, you know, and also instead of pushing to college, you know, CTE, teach them, teach them to have a career. Which is Um, CTE is what career technical education or or is it tech institutes? Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And stuff like that. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. We should be for those kids that have an aptitude for driving. Yeah. Go ahead, Ron. I'm sorry. But I don't mind the money needs to follow a child. Who knows more what the kid needs than a parent? Right. No, backpack funding would be a good way to go. Uh, I quite honestly think that, uh, you know, in the education system in Germany, for example, they identify kids early on in uh, in the early years of high school, freshman, junior years of high school. They identify the kids that have an interest in working in trades and doing things like that. And they start that they start that educational process early in that part. These kids are not going to go to college. They're going to go to a trade school. They're going to go to a tech school. They may go to a rocket course for something that's going on. Um, I think that that is a, a better method. Uh, you mentioned the administration and the and the fact that they're getting raises and the teachers aren't. I mean, only 40% of the dollars are going into the actual classrooms. We've seen this chart several times where there's these two diverging lines. One is the student enrollment, which is declining, and the other is the percentage of administration, which is growing which makes no sense. You've got more administrators for fewer students and you've got less teachers and that money isn't getting it down into the classroom. Why shouldn't we be fundamentally restructuring it? Um, that's that's the question. Yeah, you know, one thing you keep hearing is we're, our teachers are going to leave. They're not getting paid enough. Alaska has the 10th highest paid teachers in the country. So, you know, we're fourth in funding. We're 48th, 40th to 50th, depending on which study you look at. But teachers are not quitting because of pay. I looked at four different studies last year. 
and they are quitting because of bad administration. People don't quit bad jobs. They quit bad bosses. That is the bottom line. That one study came from NEA. Another one came from UAA. So that was their finding is that teachers are quitting because of bad administration. Right. So it's not the money. It's not the benefits. It is the administration. And that's why they're leaving. Ron, I want to give you the last couple of minutes here to make your final pitch and where to folks find out about you and everything else. Uh, go. So um, you can go to you know, my website is Gillum for house. It's Gillum for number four house.com. Or you can give me a call at uh, 907-953-6525. And on October 22nd at Kenai New Life, we are going to have a barbecue fundraiser. And I would like to invite everybody over there, be it from 12 noon till 2 o'clock or thereabouts. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can get some people out there and talk with them. And uh, so, All right, we'll get them done. One more time on your website for folks who are looking for it. It's Gillum 4 House. It's Gillum 4, the number 4, house.com. All right. We'll uh, put that link up in the chat room for folks to follow. Ron Gillum, thanks for being part of the show today. Again, we appreciate it. We're working on that uh, debate between you and your opponent, hopefully uh, for week after next. We'll see if we can clarify that and get some details for you and uh, from your opponent, and hopefully we'll have that nailed down by the end of the week. Uh, appreciate you coming on board and joining us this morning, Ron. Uh, thank you for being part of the uh, show today. I appreciate you having me. Hold the line for just a second, folks. We're out of time for this segment. We're going to open up the phone lines here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break. Uh, one final bite at the apple for uh, Ron uh, Gillum here uh, on the program. Ron, um, go ahead. Anything that we didn't uh, hit uh, that you uh, think we should have, uh, you know, anything that we should be talking about um, or any point that, uh, you know, didn't get made here today, uh, hit us uh, Hit us with that. Okay. Um, one thing that's going to be very important over the next few years is our resource development. Uh, you know, most people know that the PICA project, uh, they decided to go ahead and go forward with that oil search, um, Santos and Repsol. And, you know, within next year, they're going to be having 2,500 construction jobs, 500 permanent jobs. Uh, the Willow project will go. So, you know, over the next four or five years, um, that's getting back to the career education. There's going to be a lot of jobs in our state. And we need to prepare our high school kids for that. Uh, we have an aging workforce on the North Slope. And there's going to be thousands of jobs where people are retiring. And unfortunately, those up there will probably leave the state. But we need our, uh, our kids from Alaska to take those jobs. Um, I sat in a room up there and counted 22 people. Only two of us were from Alaska. That, to me, is unacceptable. So we have to get our Alaskan kids into those jobs. So the career technical education is very important. Um, you know, I've got over 40 years experience in the oil field, oil and gas field. And, uh, you know, my opponent's a pharmacist. So um, <laughs> I can't see that he has the experience to take us forward. 
Okay. All right. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on board. Like I said, we'll be uh, I'll be clarifying the final dates on that. Uh, we're going to be trying to shoot for maybe Monday or Wednesday of next uh, of week after next. And uh, we hope that you will be available for that. And we'll uh, you and I will clarify that on an email chain here uh, a little bit later. But we'd like to have a head to head with uh, your opponent, and we'll uh, we'll uh, see if we can put all that together. Okay. That sounds good. I'd look forward to it. All right. Well, Ron Gillum, our guest. Ron, thanks for coming on board. Hopefully, we get the tech issues uh, sorted <laughs> out here uh, for the next uh, next time. Thank you for being. Yep. Thanks for being part of it today. We appreciate it. Uh, Ron Gillum, uh, our guest here in the uh, uh, in the in the show on the show. Uh, a couple comments. Um, uh, there was one that I caught that that caught my attention here uh, that I want to address. Richard said, "Teachers can't come here and then collect on their previous Social Security from other states. They have zero retirement if they are in the lower tiers. They're, that's not true. They have a defined contribution plan." that is their own pension that they have control of that's portable that allows them to take they they could take that to other places they do have a retirement they don't have a defined benefits retirement and they can still draw social security from anything that they drew that they uh, contributed from previously so <clears throat> that's not necessarily true richard so i mean you know uh and there has been arguments of course that the defined uh, uh, contribution plan is actually even better because, again, it gives you ultimate control over what you're doing with your own benefit. Uh, not to mention that the state obviously puts money in on that for you as well. Uh, and it doesn't incur the same unfunded liability that defined benefits do. So people who are in tier four of the state, they get a retirement. It's their, it, their, it's self-directed. Defined contribution. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good thing right there. Plus they get the full health care and everything else. I mean, there are, there are benefit. Now people say, well, there's not enough benefit. Well, it's more benefits than most people in the private sector receive. So <clears throat> I don't know as that would necessarily, uh, fly in most circumstances. Uh, all right. Um, let me see. Awesome swag in the mail yesterday, Michael. Yeah, you did get some swag in the mail, didn't you? A few people got some swag in the mail. Um, both people who purchased uh, swag uh, through our last, we did a we did a purchase here the other day. The other day being July, we did a we did a little rundown on that, and um, um, and uh, and. Uh, of course, Common Sense Core members got some swag. I sent out some swag to some of the higher tier Common Sense Core members. Uh, Richard responds to my comment, not according to teachers that are from other states, just repeating what you've been told. Well, uh, again, what you've been told is wrong. Uh, they do have a defined contribution plan. It is a retirement plan. Now, is it the gold-plated tier one, two, three defined benefits plan? No, it's not. But remember, we still have a multi-billion dollar unfunded liability from the tier one people who retired almost 20 years ago. So, I mean, that's <clears throat> that's 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 what it is. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what it all comes down to. Um, all right. Mm hmm. 
I was just going to say something else, but I guess I need to turn the phones on because we're about to jump back onto the radio. Uh, I'll do that here in just a hot second. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. Let's go. Here we go. Thanks for calling the call-in line. Uh, sorry, I was just, I got caught up. I was just, was chatting with the people in the chat room. I was talking to them and uh, then I forgot to, I had to turn the phones on at the last minute there. So I've turned the phone lines on. So those of you who would like to participate and join us in the phone calls this morning, let me invite you in. Come on down for 907 907- 433-3150-907-433-3150. All the phone lines are open right now. If you would like to comment on anything, of course, this hour of the program being brought to you by our friends at Satellite West. They help power the phone systems as well. SatelliteWest.com. Thank you to them for being part of the program today. Um, all right. It uh, interesting, interesting show today. Interesting discussions. Um, I, I had to laugh because I had a thought. Uh, Ginger Bryant is a conflict uh, resolution specialist, and and we were conflicted there at the end. I thought that was there was some irony ba- baked into that whole deal. Um, but reg- regardless of where you sit on these these issues, uh, pro con con, anti con con, PFD, whatever. I mean, we've got to have these conversations. We've got to sit down and work this stuff out. We can't let the business as usual crowd. Who want to keep, they, you know, this is the whole never let a crisis go to waste. They are not only keeping the crisis going, in many cases, they're exacerbating the crisis and they're doing it so that they can continue to control the narrative and control the direction of where we're going in the state government. I mean, that's, uh, that, that is a, that is a, uh, it's a problem, uh, you know, when all we do is use the PFD to set the budget and we use it as a piggy bank so that when we overrun, we can just tap into it. That's never addressing the real problem. The, the problem is, is that we spend more than we take in in this state. And utilizing the PFD as the piggy bank to uh, to fill in the gaps, so to speak, is not doing us any favors in the long term. We need to face the music. We need, again, to starve the beast. I agree with what Politidic said earlier. We need to starve the beast. Let's go over to the phone lines, though, to see what you have to say this morning. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Matthew Sampson, school board member here in Fairbanks, the interior. How are you? Hey, Matthew, what's on your mind today, sir? Well, I just want to make a couple points, you know, with this ConCon thing. Uh, first off, it's already been made, um, but I just want to reiterate, you know, when we send, when we elect a majority down there in Juneau and uh, the legislator, legislators uh, act in a manner that's not representative uh, of the people that sent them there, I just find it, um, I find it, um, it's, it's a little bit on the scary side to think that we'd open up the con con and trust the 
uh, the folks down in Juneau to, act, to actually represent us. Well, you I mean, know, the folks in the Juneau handling of the permanent. The folks in Juneau are not the ones that will be representing us per se. Now, I mean, the possibility is there could be legislators who are delegates, but mostly, uh, if you know, history is any guide, we will be having delegates that are other that are other than legislators. That would be the that would be the the uh, ideal. Will it is it guaranteed to happen? No, but the delegates are not legislators uh, in general. The delegates are just people in the state. In in the process in which those people are appointed to be a delegate, uh, I mean they're elected. The legislators' by, involvement in as much. Uh, there's a they're they are elected by the people of the state of Alaska. The delegates are elected by the people, and this is a long process. It's not a it's not a short, quick fix by any means. The people elect the delegates. The delegates deliberate. They come up with a plan. They put forward as amendments, and then they put it before the people to decide whether or not those are the changes that they want to make. Okay. Well, another another issue that I have is, is if you follow the money for the people that are not um, interested in open the CONCON, um, it, it leads me to support opening up the CONCON idea. Right. Yeah. You know, it seems like it's the left that's pushing pushing to keep it closed well but it's and, not just it's not just the know, left obviously though. i don't i don't understand everything around it right so well I try and follow the money it's interesting that it's not just the left though it, it is it is and again this goes back to i don't i'm not sure that the republican democrat or red and blue labels are helpful in these situations matt because uh you know you got people like kathy geisel and john coghill both republicans they're on the they're on the um, um, on the on the committee that of the anti-concon group. You've got chambers of commerce who are against it, which would consider, you know, generally speaking, would be considered to be uh, more uh, pro-business, you know, more of a moderate to to conservative group of people. But then you've got the NEA, you've got the 1630 project, you've got uh, Fran Ulmer and Berkowitz, you know. Uh, at the same time, you've got. Uh, you know the the bishops and and other people Jesse Keel it is a I don't think it has to do necessarily with party labels I think it has to do with who are the people who are in power who are the people that are making those decisions and are they again pro government spend or are they pro private sector spend and that seems to be the split on this yeah and I'm I'm speaking specifically to some of the outside uh, groups that are trying to influence Oh, absolutely. Uh, which direction we go. They, yep. they lean left or whether or not they lean right. And, and some of those outside groups that are tied to Alaska but are ultimately representative of outside interests, they tend to lean left. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, 1630 and so Fund is the largest progressive yeah. uh, funding mechanism out there. The NEA and the IBEW, those are the three top contributors. Uh, you know, contributing, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. Those are all liberal organizations. Yeah. So I haven't seen any any heavy right-leaning organizations uh, that have ties to or, or direct ties to outside that um, are, are pushing to keep it closed. But I'll digress and move on to the uh, issue with the teachers and the funding. I can tell you Unequivocally, our teachers don't do not get paid enough to do the job that they're doing. And I think most of the people across the state can agree 
Now, whether or not it's appropriate that they get paid more is is another issue. But I mean, it's I don't I don't know if you can even pay teachers enough, you know, for the job that they're doing, dealing with dealing with the education and and, and making sure these kids get one. But I do want to say that uh, you know all the money in the world, as you've mentioned, isn't going to bring the grades up. And with this woke culture that's being pushed by by the majority of our educational system here in the state, uh, more money actually. Matthew? Looks like we lost Matthew's call. Um, Matthew, thank you for calling in. Uh, that takes us uh, over to the next one. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Jed from Kenai. Good morning, Jed. Hey, I just have a uh, quick thought about um, maybe why some people are hesitant to the con con. Um, down here on Tuesday, we just had some local elections, and I was one of the last people out of the polls, and I asked the poll worker on the way out, what, what, what type of numbers did we see today? And she said, we'll be lucky if we hit 10% local, um, local engagement on some of these issues that were on the ballot on Tuesday. And it just seems like there's a difficulty getting the word out to people about elections, and I wonder if a lot of people are concerned that how much engagement will we actually get and participation in a constitutional convention with electing the delegates and voting right. on what they put forward? Because it seems like these engagement is so poor and low. Well, in, in some communities, I think it is. I mean, we saw a report earlier today, 42% turnout in Haines. 83% turnout in Skagway. I think this is a community-by-community community, uh, situation. And, of course, when it comes to something like the Constitutional Convention, it's going to be the delegates. I mean, it's going to be in the general election, which historically is a larger turnout. So you're right, Jed. We've got to get the word out. We've got to do what we need to do. Communities need to be more involved. But we've seen significant double-digit turnout in most of the primaries. I think the general is going to be larger. This is why I've advocated for a long time that we need to stop splitting the you know municipal you know borough elections from the general. I think we should just hold them all at once because then the turnout is there. That is the largest turnout. You're but you're right, Jed. We got to get the name the the word out there. Folks, we're out of time. We got to go. Thank you, Jed, for your call. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thing and Radio. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday. Be kind, love one another, live well. Okay. <clears throat> well, hello. Hello. Um, it's tough, man. If they didn't break 10% in Homer, and I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but yeah, I mean, more people, but I think that there's also a fatigue. I mean, this is again, this is probably part of the problem. The fatigue, fatigue. Don't grow weary in well-doing though, my friends. Don't do that. Just uh, go out there and do what you need to do. All right. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon. Become a member of the Common Sense Core. Jeannie got some swag. Other Common Sense Core members got some swag. Uh, we do that. Plus, you get access to the private Facebook chat and more. Got to go. Thank you for being part of the show today. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.